Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to the Red Box Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley. Obviously another packed show on Times Radio today, but we hosted the first live broadcast hustings of the Lib Dem Leadership Contest. I was joined by Ed Davey and Leila Moran. This is how it panned out. Now then. In the 2015 general election, after five years in coalition with the Conservatives, the Lib Dems won 8% of the vote. Five years, two elections, three leaders later, the latest salvation opinion poll has the Lib Dems on 8%. Their last leader, Joe Swinson, lost her seat at the general election in December. The one before that, Vince Cable, retired without fighting an election. The one before that, Tim Farron, spent an election campaign dogged by questions about whether he thought gay sex was a sin. And the leader before that, Nick Clegg, is now a political pariah, despite being the only one who took Westminster's favourite punchline into power. So who would take the party on now? And what could be done to turn things around? Well, I'm joined by the two people vying to become leader of the Lib Dems. Leila Moran, good morning. Morning. And uh, Sir Ed Davey. Good morning. Good morning, Matt. Nice to talk to you. Nice to have you here. So let's start. Um, we'll get we'll get the the propaganda out of the way to begin with. Um, I'll let you. Uh, <laughs> I know that you probably can't go around knocking on people's doors, but you're knocking on a virtual door and uh, setting out your pitch. I'll give you both one minute to set out in the most jargon-free, easy to understand way possible why you should be a leader of the Lib Dems. Let's start with you, uh, Layla. Your minute starts now. Thanks, Matt. Well. I mean, I think your introduction uh, is where we need to start. It's been 10 years now, actually, that the party has effectively been in decline because we actually lost seats at that 2010 election. And what I am in this election is a chance for the party to signal that we are renewed and that we are revived. Actually, more than half of our membership itself is new since 2015. And we have to accept that the reason why this is happening is because we lost trust and credibility with the electorate. We need to start talking about the bread and butter issues that really matter to people. So in this campaign, I've put education, the environment, and the economy front and center of what I think we should be talking about. But we also need to recognize that this is going to take time. So a vote for me is a vote to show that we have learned from the mistakes of the past, but that we want to move forward now together. And coronavirus and this crisis is providing us with an opportunity to show people that your, there is a... Your time liberal... is up, I'm afraid, uh, Leila. Uh, I'll be very strict on this. We'll come on to all those matters, but that is your that is your your minute. I mean, you, you cover quite a lot of ground, and it turns out a minute slightly longer than I thought. Uh, let's give uh, Ed Davey a go now. Ed Davey, why should you be lead with the Lib Dems? Your minute starts now. I want us to beat the Tories. I spent my life in politics beating the Tories, and I think that's the job of our party to get this awful government out of power. I believe... To do that, I've got the vision and experience. Uh, the vision I've got is that we need to have a greener economy, a fairer society and a more caring society. I've got a strong record on the green agenda, having nearly quadrupled Britain's renewable power. I believe we have to talk about social justice, particularly education. 
And as a carer myself for most of my life, I really think that we need to be talking about caring and a caring society, particularly post-COVID. So a greener, fairer, more caring society is the vision so people know what the Liberal Democrats stand for. But I bring experience. I've had 30 years in the party, 20 years in Parliament, five years in government. And that, I think, gives me the judgment and uh, and the experience to be able to you know, deal with the media, but more importantly, to make sure we're campaigning again in the seats we can win. Because if you want to get this tour, this tour time time up, ding ding ding. I, I should have bought I should have bought a bell or a, or a horn or something. But uh, you again covered quite a lot of ground in a minute there, Ed. And we'll we'll try and unpack some of that. But just so people have got a good sense of what is your setting out your pitch uh, to be a Lib Dem uh, leader, I want to start a bit with uh, and I've been sort of slightly um, uh, maybe a bit mocking in my tone uh, this morning. But I mean, it is a and I've spent an awful lot of time uh, closely watching the Lib Dems over. Where was it 15, 15 years of uh, of reporting in Westminster, and uh, trying to work out the Lib Dems' place right now is is quite difficult. I got in touch with some some Lib Dems I know, MPs and advisors and that sort of thing before this morning. Uh, one former Lib Dem advisor who worked in opposition and in Downing Street, he got in touch this morning. He said. Uh, Boris is undeniably bold in making big claims and offers. Keir is reimagining the Labour Party and saying very very similar things. What stands you, the Lib Dems, apart from them? For the first time in my life, I'm left asking, what's the point? And this is someone who worked for the Lib Dems in government. So I suppose the question to both of you really is, what is the point of the Lib Dems in politics right now? We'll start with you, Leila. We absolutely have to give the country a different vision for how things could be. And the coronavirus crisis itself, I think, is actually an opportunity. You know, only about one in 10 people want to go back to how it was before. And there is an alternative vision for this country where we are doing things differently. We are a bottom-up party. So that's one thing that is a USP for the party. We believe in empowering individuals, empowering communities so that they can make the best decisions for them. We are a party of business. And we believe that the way that you can do that is to use every sinew that is available to us, including the state, but including business, including communities, to make real change. Look, and look, just to interrupt thing. you there, what, what is it that you've just said that if I ask the same thing of a Labour MP or a Tory MP, would they not say we love business and we love empowering people to get on and make things nicer? Well, just look at their track record of actually doing that. If you l- ask communities across the country, and I wish someone would do this survey, they would see that Lib Dem run councils are the ones that have stepped up to that plate and done the best job with coronavirus on the ground. And they do that because we have a completely different approach to politics. It's one that doesn't think that everyone, that the state has all the answers. And we know that the Tories and uh, the Labour Party are centralising parties, they've got centralising politics, we're the other way round. So we do have this USP. And the other USP that we have, and the clue is in the name, it's about liberty, it's about freedom. And that belief that if you give the individual the tools that they need, they will then do their best to get on. And they say it, but they don't do it. Ed, Ed David, the same question to you, really. What, what is the point? Uh, how do, how do, what is the point of the Lib Dems in politics right now? We're a liberal party. We believe in the freedom of the individual. We believe in uh, building up from the bottom for communities. We're an internationalist party. We believe in human rights. Those liberal values need to come through uh, really, really strong. And I don't see any other party 
doing that. And, you know, we're a reformist party. We want to stand up to the status quo, take on the establishment. You know, that's one of the reasons why we've always been the one talking about the green agenda, because the fossil fuel industry is the incumbent. That's why the Tories love, uh, don't take action. We, we've taken action. I've taken action. Uh, and that's been really effective. And we want to lead that green agenda, taking on the establishment, on the caring agenda I'm talking about. You know, the, the Tories and Labour Party talk about uh, the NHS, but they fail to see that the big issue is social care. Because if you don't sort out social care, you don't sort out the NHS. But they forget that. And we need to speak up to the for the millions of carers out there and the millions of people who need care who get forgotten in the debate between the Tories uh, and Labour. And back to business. I mean, I agree with Leila. We, we should be the party of business. I'm glad, delighted to hear us say that. And, you know, as an economist, I believe we should be f uh, supporting small business and the self-employed. You know, the, the people who um, are forgotten by uh, the big parties. And we need to be that voice to, 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 to challenge the establishment to make sure that the people who are forgotten by the other parties have a real voice, the Liberal Democrat voice. I just want to ask you, because obviously, as I read out, there's quite a, you've had quite a lot of leaders in, in relatively recent time. In fact, you, Ed, have been now acting leader for longer than Joe Swinson was the actual uh, leader last year. Looking back over the broader history of the party, who do you think has been the best leader and why? I'll start with you, Ed, this time. Oh, Paddy Ashdown. And the reason is that he was obsessed by ensuring that people knew what the Liberal Democrats stood for, who we were. And he did that with a degree of discipline that we haven't seen in recent times. So he talked about education and the need to make sure that every child, every young person had the best start in life. And he talked about the environment. It's one of the reasons I joined the party, because he was so strong on the environment agenda. And he, he, he nurtured a feeling uh, that people began to know who we were. And I think we've lost that. I mean, we, we, we we've put too much on individual issues like Brexit, like the Iraq war. We've got to get back to making sure people understand who we are, not just at one election, but elections into the future and understand that our liberal ideas are relevant to their lives, whether it's about their families and, and education, whether it's about caring, whether it's about about the future of our planet. And you know, I believe we can do that because that's our that's our values, that's our that's our policies, our principles. But we've failed to articulate that into a clear brand, which we've kept to. And sometimes people talk about lots of other things, and that's fine. But you don't get your <laughs> message over, and so message discipline to make sure people know who the Liberal Democrats are. Uh, and uh, Leila, who 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 do you think has been the best leader with the Lib Dems? Mm, it's a hard one. That I mean. They've all brought different things. I, I love Paddy. That's such and a politician's actually, answer. You must have someone who you think has been think a good leader. No, I, I, I will. I mean, I, I, lo I love Paddy. And the um, strategy that he employed to sort of put the swords down between our party and Labour surely is the strategy that we now need to employ to beat the Tories, particularly in the uh, dozens of seats were second place to them. And that is the strategy that I do believe we need to follow. But I actually was attracted to the party under Charles Kennedy. And the reason why was actually I saw in him a human and I saw in him great compassion and I saw in him someone who would take a very principled position and yet it was over Iraq and I was at university and I remember looking across at all the different political parties and thought to myself, actually I want to vote for a party that stands up for what's right and that's what he was doing. And I continue to be inspired by the way that he did politics in a way that, that made people feel like there was a leader of a party and there was a party that actually understood them and that's what I want to be as a leader as well. So I take great inspiration from Charles. 
If you like what you're hearing, you can listen to the whole of my Times Radio show. Either listen back on the Times Radio app or you can listen live Monday to Thursday, 10 till 1. We'll have more on the episode after this. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. In, in which lead, um, leader have you not seen a human? Not seen a human. Well, no, you, I don't think You just think said it's that in Charles Kennedy, you saw a, hu- a real human. Is there, is there some yeah, leaders that you think have been I less good? Like, no, no, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a one nor the, or the other. They're all human. I think what I mean by that is, he had a way of speaking that wasn't in any way condescending, that wasn't in any way patronising. He he came across. He used words that I understood as someone who was not at all, by the way, interested in politics until probably my late. 20s. Um, I, I came to politics from entirely the outside. My experience lies outside of the Westminster bubble. And what he embodied for me was someone who I could imagine having a chat with and him taking away my concerns and then doing something about it. And I think that's the thing the party now needs to do. Well, let's focus on that and, and being able um, to do Matt, Matt. Yes, of course, Ed, come in. Yeah, Matt, Matt, I just want to say, I mean, I, I agree. I, I worked with Charles Kennedy. He, he was amazing. He was inspirational. Probably one of the best speakers of our generation. But I think the reason why I opt for Paddy is because he took the party from a very low base, rather like we are now, to be honest, and he got the party winning again. Okay, well, let's and talk about that. Because... Leader, and that's the job of a leader, and how he did that is what I want to want to focus on. Right, so uh, before we talk about the future, I want to talk just about the one time, because it's interesting that neither of you have named the person who actually got you into power to introduce some of your policies. Nick Clegg uh, took the Lib Dems into the coalition in, uh, in um, 2010. Um, you both sound like you're trying to distance yourself f- uh, from that. What, are, you, are you ashamed of the fact that... Let's start with you, Ed, because you were in that cabinet. You were talking about how you... In the beginning, you said you'd beaten the Tories. Actually, you sat in a cabinet uh, around the cabinet table with them. Are you are you now trying yeah. to distance yourself from the? Coalition? No, no, Matt. Matt, um, in the cabinet table, I was beating the Tories again. You know, you remember how George Osborne and Eric Pickles and that that crowd hated what I was doing because I was taking on the establishment. I was taking on the fossil fuel industry, and you know, I I nearly quadrupled Britain's renewable electricity. Uh, we became a world leader in offshore wind power. You know, I had to fight them every day for that because they didn't want that to happen. Um, and so, you know, I'm really proud of what I achieved in uh, the coalition. And of course, there were difficult uh, times. You know, not every go- every government makes mistakes. But for Liberal Democrats, uh, we shouldn't run away from our successes. You know, same-sex marriage legislation, taking millions of low paid out of uh, income tax helping the most disadvantaged children with the pupil premium, which I had developed uh, in opposition. You know, we, we, we achieved an awful lot. And, um, you know, one thing I worry is that, you know, people are focusing in on this as some sort of negative. I think we need to look forward uh, with the credibility and experience we gained and talk about the next election, you know. And the election review, which I co-commissioned on 2019, didn't didn't say the coalition was the problem. And it was that's a gross oversimplification. 
and a 61-page document, the election review showed that if we're going to win at the next election, there's a whole myriad of things we've got to sort out. OK, well, let's, let's, um, I just uh, want to stay focused on the coalition yeah. for a sec. Let me ask uh, Layla about it. Are you embarrassed or ashamed that you went into coalition? And would you, would you do it again, depending on the outcome of the next election, if you were Lib Dem leader? So I was at the conference where we voted to go into it and we did it in good faith. And it was at a time when... Right did, you, did, you, financial... did you personally vote to go into it? I, sorry? Did you personally vote in favour of going yes, into coalition? Yeah, yes. OK. And it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming. So, and we voted and I voted positively for it in good faith and, and remember thinking, God, I hope this works. <laughs> um, and as coalition progressed, I'm, actually, I am also very proud of the things that we did well. And the People Premium, Michael Gove tried to steal that the other day and <laughs> I absolutely took him to task over it. But there were things that we absolutely got wrong and I... I you know, the bedroom tax. I remember being selected into Oxford Western Abingdon in, in 2012 and meeting a woman on a door who was in a wheelchair, was in a council estate house and had just got a letter saying that she had to pay this money that she didn't have. Yeah, I don't, I, 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 in the, the nicest possible way, I don't want to revisit the entire argument about the pros and cons of the bedroom tax. All I would say is that, that being in government is quite difficult, isn't it? You have to make difficult choices. You can't take the credit for the spending of the money on the people premium if you don't accept the difficult decisions of how you pay for it. And, the, you know, there the is an argument for saying that actually, you, you know, that you can't, you can't take the credit for the good stuff and then say all the bad stuff has nothing to do with us. Yeah, but there comes a point where you do have to draw a line in the sand. And the reason why I mentioned that story is because it's exactly those people that we purport as Lib Dems to say that we are there to champion. So you wouldn't go and into yet, coalition again? I didn't say that. I think what we need to do is to make sure that people understand that we've learned the lessons of what went wrong and that there are times where, and for example, in this next whatever happens in the next phase after coronavirus, we cannot go back to austerity. We cannot hurt those people who were hurt like last time. And we have to show people that we've learned from that. And to the specific point about, you know, would I go into coalition at some point in the future? I mean, it's I, I don't rule it out. I have ruled it out with the Tories, but I don't rule it out completely. Why? But it absolutely makes sense that we would look at every little line in it and that it was true to our principles. Because unless we went back trust with the electorate and it really hurt us you just have to you said yourself at the beginning we're on eight percent five years later it's it did hurt us and when i went to go speak to voters about this it does come up people talk about it on doors and they talk about it in the context of you say one thing you do another we have to renew now as a party and if we're going to get away from this single digits polling we have to show people that we've learned the lessons and that's how we move on. OK, let's try and get through some um, sort of uh, shorter questions and shorter answers. Uh, would you, if you became leader, campaign to rejoin the EU? Start with you, Leila. A yes or not no would probably cover it. Well, yes, but not immediately because we have to win the public argument first and we're not there yet. So in my leadership at some point, and I want to be a leader not for a couple of years. I think we've had enough of short-term leaders. I want to be a leader for at least one election, ideally two. By the time we get to two elections away, I would love to think that public opinion has shifted, but we have to make the case for why people 
would want to rejoin. And that's actually the battle we need to be having now and especially averting no deal. So let's fight the battles we need to now, but in that process, win people over to that argument. But we are an internationalist party. The reasons why we wanted to stop Brexit have not gone away. I am a staunch pro-European and continue to be a staunch pro-European, but we also need to be pragmatic, I think, with where the country is. Okay, and Ed, what about you? Would you campaign for Britain to rejoin the EU? We've got to be the voice of pro-European people in Britain, pro-European business, pro-European individuals. And we've got to show how Brexit will let our country down. And we've got to pave the way so that public opinion does change. I think in the immediate future, I think talking about rejoin would actually alienate people uh, against uh, the pro-European position. So that wouldn't be very smart. Of course, in our heart, we'll, I will never leave the EU. But my head to win elections and to win the argument is about persuading people. So that feels like that's never the, first, the first bit, the th thing that you two actually disagree on is that Leila does see no, no, a I don't point. Think we do, no, no, I don't, we don't, don't disagree. Of course, at some stage, would I want to rejoin? Yes. The question is, how do you get there? And there's no difference that Leila and I have are both pro-European. You know, I've sat on more pro-European uh, council than any Liberal Democrat in history. I'm desperately pro-European. The question is, how do you get to a point where we could campaign to rejoin? That means persuading okay. the people. OK, um, would you, and again, it's probably a yes-no answer to suffice for this, would you promise to scrap tuition fees again, Ed? Uh, no, I don't think we can do that. Um, I think our priority for spending in education must be on the youngest children. All the evidence shows that if you invest in nursery early years, you really change the life chances of the most disadvantaged children. So if you're about social justice in education, which Liberal Democrats should be, I think focusing most most of our extra spending on those early years would be the right thing to do. Uh, what about you, Leila? Would you, would you call for the tuition fees to be scrapped? No, I think we should be moving towards more of a... a graduate tax or something uh, along those lines and the big issue for a lot of young people who want to go to university is actually the living costs so what I do think we should be bringing back uh, is education maintenance grants and make sure that those young people who feel that it's in some way a barrier for them to go are facilitated in going. I think we also, I mean, there are real issues with the with the system right now. The interest rate's really high, um, and I do think a full review of it is necessary. But if we reduce it to zero, my concern is that you end up having to put caps on the number of people who go, and that disproportionately actually affects poorer students rather than the wealthier ones. So I do think that there needs to be some kind of fee, um, but it does need to be much fairer than it is now. OK, um, the, the party's platform in the 2019 election was characterised by some as woke and revoke. It just seemed to be completely out of uh, kilt with you know, the, uh, the concerns of a lot of people. Are the Lib Dems too woke, Ed? Uh, I do think we've got to focus on the concerns of ordinary people. I think we can have our liberal woke issues. They must be part of them. That's why we're a liberal party. But to win elections... Uh, my experience over fighting many elections is you've got to start with the voters, not with party members. And that may be hard in, a, in an leadership election where you're trying to win party members. But my message to party members has been throughout this. 
that if I'm leader, because I'm so determined to win for the party at all levels, I want to know what the voters' concerns are and make sure they understand what the Liberal Democrat response to that. So clearly, the economy and jobs is going to be massive over the next few years. We've got to make sure we've got a, pro a program and a set of ideas that cut through on that. So that's that, why that, I'm that sounds about like the you greener think, economy. That sounds like you think that the Lib Dems have been too woke in the past. No, no. It, what I'm saying or focusing is focusing on that to the expense of others. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's about the focus. That's right, Matt. It's about the focus. And and for, for me, ensuring that we are talking to voters on the issues they matter in language they can understand is what good campaigning is about. And I do feel that we've become too middle class, too London southeast, too focused on you know what. Uh, the sort of academic side of liberals want. We've got to talk about uh, the things that matter to people's lives. And it's jobs, it's schools, uh, you know, talking to parents about their kids. It's about housing. Uh, it, it's about caring. And you know, post-COVID, I want us to be the champion of caring, champions of carers. There are 10 million carers out there, Matt. That's three times as many people who voted for us at the last election. And uh, having been a carer much of my life, I was a young carer my, when I was nursing my mum who was dying. I uh, looked after my grand when she was elderly. I was a, her main carer for 10 years. I've now got a disabled son and I have to look after him. He's 24-7 care. So I know about caring and, and I think there's lots of gaps in, in how we help care, uh, people who need care and the, support the carers out there. Wouldn't it be okay, fantastic let, let me, let me uh... the the real language to those people. I'm conscious we've only got a few uh, minutes to go before the news. Let me bring Layla in there. Do you think the Lib Dems have been too woke? If woke means standing up for marginalised people in society and protecting the most vulnerable, then actually I am woke because that's what we do. We are liberals because we believe that it shouldn't matter your background, we should be fighting to make sure that everyone's got that equal chance. And I think it's a trope that's sent from the other side to people who perhaps don't agree with that, but I do. So we should continue to fight for those people. But I do also agree that it needs to be in the context of a broader appeal to an electorate that makes them realize that we are absolutely on their side on the bread and butter issues. I went door knocking actually after the last election because I wanted to answer the question for myself, what's going so wrong? And I went to places like, uh, Sheffield and Leeds, I went to Devon and Cornwall, I went to Wales and I was asking voters there what do you think of us and, and what do you want us to talk about and what they did say was that they wanted us to be really strong on public services, that's why education is front and centre of my campaign uh, they wanted us to talk about the environment and interestingly that was as popular among Labour facing voters but nobody, nobody would say that the, the education and the environment was, were, were sort of niche woke issues were they, I mean, it was a slightly broader no, exactly. A broader question than that, and maybe exactly. that maybe that's that's the that's the criticism. Later, while while I've got you, um, I, I need to ask you because we've had lots of tweets and been texting about this this morning. You've admitted in the past uh, that you slapped your then boyfriend at a party conference in 2013, leading to you both being arrested, and we've had lots of messages about this this morning. If Ed, uh, if it emerged that Ed had done this to a girlfriend in the past, you'd say that he was unfit to lead the party, wouldn't you? Absolutely not. And the point to make about this story is that you've told the first part, but not the second, which is that everything was then dropped, but also the context of it was that it was in self-defense. And what I would say is, look at how that story was told. I told it. The reason why it's out there is because I spoke about it. I, I well, wrote no, a statement to Twitter fair, where I spoke... To be fair, Leila, I know that there were journalists who were looking into it and you then actively put a statement out. But, I mean, let's, let's not get too bogged down in, in that, but it was a question that I wanted to... 
ask you, um, and uh, you've given your answer. Just before we, just before the we want. Matt. The charges were dropped again. The charges were dropped. It was absolutely dropped in a context of zero tolerance policy on domestic violence in Scotland. It's it's not a story. Okay, uh, thank you. And the listeners will have heard that. Uh, before I let you go, uh, two questions: Do you both own an EU flag beret that we've seen a lot at Lib Dem conference? <laughs> Ed. No, I, no I'm, I'm, I'm afraid I don't. I've got e, EU cufflinks. Will that do? That's almost as bad, to be honest. Uh, Leila, have you, got, have you got a beret? I do not have a beret. I do have a scarf, though. Uh, oh, right. Fair, fair enough. Maybe a beret would go with it. Um, and just uh, finally, what was what does success look like in five years' time? If, if either of you become leader, what does success look like in five years' time? In a, in a couple of sentences, otherwise I'll get told off with the news being late. Just quickly from you, Ed, what does success look like in five years? We've got rid of the Tories. We are part of a progressive force in British politics, which is sorting out climate change, getting a fairer society and getting electoral reform PR. And that's, an, that's a good long shopping list. And finally, Leila, what does success for you look like in five years? That we will have won dozens of seats, ideally Tory-facing seats, because that will deprive... Boris Johnson of a second term and the country just cannot afford that. But also, if you knock on a door and you ask someone, what do the Lib Dems stand for? They know. Well, hopefully we've gone some way to shedding some light on that. Thank you uh, so much to Leila Moran and Sir Ed Day for joining us on Times Radio, setting out their store to be Lib Dem leader. Uh, thank you for sending all of your texts and messages in. I uh, hope that you found it enlightening or, you know, shed some light on what... The, that central question, what is the point of the Lib Dems? And uh, they, they set out their answers. Now, a couple of minutes late. Apologies about that. Here's a news update from Alex Dibble. That's all we've got time for on this episode. To listen to the whole Times Radio show, just go to the Times Radio app and click listen again. To make sure you don't miss future episodes of the podcast, subscribe on Apple, Acast, Spotify or wherever you listen. And to read more about what we've been talking about on the podcast, go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Radio to subscribe. But for now, for me, Matt Cholly, it's goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.